Hello, Mississippi and abroad. This is Parrish Alford with the Northeast Mississippi Daily Journal. Thank you for clicking into another edition of Justify Your Existence, where we bring you the relevant Ole Miss talk, SEC talk, college football talk in Mississippi. It's right here. We'd like to thank our partners, the Oxford Park Commission. Lots of good things going on there at OPC. Offerings for youth and adults alike. They're gearing up for fall flag football right now and so much more. Visit them at OxfordParkCommission.com. I'm joined by Michael Katz, our Daily Journal Ole Miss beat writer now, uh, a week and a half into this, at least on the ground. Michael, it seems like uh, SEC Media Days was a long time ago, man. How are you? Yeah, uh, SEC Media Days does seem like it was about a year ago already, which is it's 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 funny how time works these days. Yeah, it, uh, it, it really is. Okay, well, uh, talk to me about camp, man. I know you're there every day. Uh, just, you know, any stars, any surprises? Uh, you know, what, what are you seeing? Well, I think the, the, the one that everybody wants to hear is, is John Rice Plumley. Uh, I, I think when he has been working at receiver, he, he's, he's looked really good, and he's been getting a lot of reps with the first guys. Uh, he's – He's looked really impressive. Obviously, you know, Matt Corral and and, uh, and Jerrion have looked as you would expect they would. Uh, I've been really impressed with John Rice and really just kind of the receivers in general. Braylon Sanders, I know Lane a couple of days ago said, referred to him as a, a maybe first round pick. And I think we all kind of were like, that's a really interesting thing to say because uh, you look at all the really good receivers that have come out of Ole Miss and uh, a lot of them weren't first round picks. Uh, DK, AJ Brown, uh, you know, guys like that. And uh, for him to say that about Braylon, it kind of piqued our interest a little bit. Uh, but, you know, at the scrimmage, he he was the best receiver on the field. You know, he looked he looked really special. And I think Ontario is is, is, is going to have a nice year. Um, you know, Mingo, it, it's kind of hard to say. Sometimes he's 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 a big part and sometimes he's not. And I think that's it seems like that's kind of been the book on him is, is the consistency. Um, and so I think though, with, with John Rice, you know, doing what he's been doing, I think that's going to kind of even itself out, but you, you look at that receiving core and, and they've been, you know, pretty adamant that they're going to be really good. And of course that's what they're going to say, but watching them that scrimmage, I, I I'm starting to believe them. They they're, they're a really impressive group. I'm going to tell you, Michael, I haven't watched uh, Braylon Sanders for, you know, most of his 11 years at Ole Miss now. Uh, you know, it, uh, it's not surprising that he's having this camp, man. I've seen him make big catches. I've seen him make really spectacular catches before. Man, there was uh, one he hauled in from some poor guy from Southern Illinois. I mean, uh, just really contested, but, the, you know, good throw, just physical catch, uh, you know, a highlight moment. You'll want to see him have those highlight moments in SEC games, and he's had them. What has held him back uh, during his career has been injuries. You know, he, his season ended last year with an injury, an LSU game. Wasn't available. He wasn't around for the bowl game. All right, so the, the idea that he could have this kind of camp, uh, the excitement that the coaches could have for him, people who have seen him, uh, you know, there's just – there's a lot that he can accomplish – this year, uh, if he stays healthy, I saw your comments from him, uh, you know, last week about uh, he said, "Man, I'm coming back." You know, as soon as as soon as it was announced that there was this extra season of eligibility, 
it sounds like he made up his mind right away that he wanted to come back. And I'm not surprised by that because, you know, I think uh, he probably feels this way that there's a lot more that he can accomplish because, you know, of how the injuries have held him back. So I think, you know, he's a huge part of what they're doing. A lot of people who haven't seen him are going to be surprised as long as he stays healthy. Uh, slot receiver, you and I have talked about this. If if Jonathan Mingo doesn't catch the ball most of the time consistently, that's been a problem for him in his first two years. Inconsistency, has some drops. If that trend continues in his junior season, John Rice Plumley's role is going to just elevate because I think we've seen enough of John Rice Plumley to say, He's going to be a guy that catches the ball. He's going to be a guy that makes contested catches, uh, and that's big. And when you consider also that uh, we know they want to involve Jerion Ely in the passing game, you know, that won't always be out of the backfield. You know, he'll line up at slot sometimes. When you, when you start looking at it that way, that's three, three guys in the slot, and it makes me wonder about Jacor Pearson – the transfer from Western Kentucky that uh, they've been very high on. What, what are you seeing from him in camp? It's funny. If, if you hadn't told me what his, his resume was at, at, at Western, I don't think I would know who he is because he just really hasn't been a, a big part in what they've been doing. Like, you know, they, they do have so many options in the slot and just a receiver in general. Um, I, I really – I haven't seen him working much with, with, with the ones when every, when all things have kind of been equal. It's, it's interesting. Cause I, I know a lot of people are kind of expecting him to, to play this big part. And uh, you know, I, I, I kept looking like, okay, wait, who's the Western Kentucky kid. And then when I saw the number, I was like, wow, he's, he's maybe not doing as much as, as I thought, maybe we all thought that, that he was going to. And, and I think that speaks it's not, I don't think it's anything against him. I, I think it's just how much depth they have at receiver. There's just so many really good players that, you know, I, I and again, it, it's camp. I know that they do weird things and sometimes rotations aren't what they're going to be. But, you know, if you asked me how big of a part does it look like he's going to play, you know, it doesn't look like he's going to be that guy who, you know, has 700, 800 receiving yards just because there's, it looks like there's so many other guys that, that they're trying to get involved. Yeah, there are good players at receiver. And uh, you mentioned one the other day, uh, Braylon Brown, the freshman, who I, you know, I've been out there just once or twice, but I've, you know, that was enough to see him make some plays and see the athleticism and the size uh, on this uh, new piece of the puzzle there. What, what have you seen from him? He looks the part. And I think that's, you know, it, it's always a little bit weird with freshmen and how, are they going to look out of place? Are they going to look overwhelmed? Are their bodies right? Uh, I, I would have thought he's a sophomore or junior just by the way he looks. And he's made some really impressive catches. Uh, you know, we go back to the kind of thing we talked about with Jonathan Mingo is can he catch the ball? Braylon Brown catches the ball and he makes some really impressive catches. And that sort of frame and you know, body control, it's, you know, they, they have a lot of receivers who – kind of have the same dimensions, I guess we'll say. Braylon Brown is, is sort of that, that bigger one that I think can add something, uh, a little bit different element. Uh, yeah, everybody loves a big wide receiver, and, and I think he's, he's kind of the, the one that fits that mold. 
Are you ready to call him DK Metcalf? Is that what he is? Uh, not on the record now. <laughs> well, obviously, uh, he, he is impressed and has turned some heads uh, early. Uh, let's talk about uh, defense uh, a little bit. I know people want to hear uh, that they are light years uh, ahead of where they were a year ago. And, and that doesn't sound, seem like the case right now, but it's, I don't think that's a bad thing. And I, I wrote about that in, in the journal this morning. Uh, look, this is going to be a, a work in progress when you bring new guys and new pieces in. But, you know, two things that I took uh, from your report after the scrimmage uh, on Sunday was, uh, one, the names that, uh, that were on the field for a majority of the time, okay? Uh, the two JUCO defensive tackles, uh, Jake Springer, Chance Campbell, the entree Prince. Okay. These are newcomers, new guys in the system that, uh, that I think need to play key roles. I mean, they need new pieces to that defense. I mean, I, I don't think they're going to get there. I don't think they're going to get where they want to be uh, with only the returning starters from last year. So they're, they recognize that as well. And they're working in those guys and they're getting them lots of snaps. The other thing was, uh, while uh, Lane complained about the defense and, and maybe the defense, uh, look, when, when you have a scrimmage, uh, somebody's going to win, somebody's going to lose. So, so the defense didn't look as good as, as they would have hoped overall. The three drives there, when you had majority first-team defense, majority first-team offense, and the offense gets only three points, that's, uh, that, that, I thought that was big. Yeah, and so, I mean, kind of heading into, you know, media availability with with Lane that afternoon, I, that was kind of my takeaway was, you know, the majority of the time it was sort of a hodgepodge of some starters, some guys a little bit further down in the depth chart to, against the starting offense. And, you know, let's be honest, you know, Alabama gave up 48 to, to, to that offense. You know, I don't imagine a lot of defenses are going to look stellar against that, you know, that the Matt Corral-led offense. And so when it was what I would consider mainly the starting defense against starting offense and all they got was a, a field goal out of it, I thought that like Lane might be kind of happy about that, but that was definitely not the case. It's just his overall demeanor. He, he seemed upset. And, uh, you know, I, I think coaches are always coaching. Uh, I, I, I think part of it is, uh, you know, whoever is out there on defense, I'm sure he wants them to get stops and to make tackles. And I think the missing tackles was the thing he was really, really frustrated with. Um, but, uh, you know, it was, I think it was only their second day actually tackling. So, you know, I, I you, you take that all with a little bit of a grain of salt, but uh, you know, when it was, it was ones against ones, I thought the defense did a nice job. You know, the, the offense looked a little bit frustrated. They're getting a lot, of, a lot of false start penalties and just a lot of, a lot of things like that. The defense was really loud. The intensity looked really good. And so, uh, you know, I, I understand they weren't going to do ones against ones the entire time just because it was a long scrimmage and, uh, you know, you got to have your bodies available and whatnot. But I, I know Lane said he was concerned and, and all those sorts of things. And, and I, I, I don't know if it's so much that, the, you know, it's the end of the world so much as it is he's he might be trying to send a message that, you know, no matter how what people are saying about how good the defense looks or how much better you think you are, you can still be better. And so that's kind of the 
like I said, coaches are always coaching. And, and I, I don't know if it was necessarily as bad as Lane wanted us to all think it was. I think there was potentially a little bit of a mind game in there. Well, you mentioned hodgepodge, and uh, they're going to move guys in and out. I mean, this this is camp. This is the time to do that. And the other thing is they don't know what they have right now. They need to see these guys. They got a, There are a lot of new pieces there. They need to see, you know, who plays well, who plays well together, you know, what combinations work, what combinations need some work. Uh, so you're going to have guys moving in and out. There's not a hodgepodge going on on the offensive line right now. Okay, they know what they have right now. There's not a hodgepodge at quarterback or running back, uh, you know, but on that defense, uh, they need to move people in and out right now. This is the time. So I know what uh, what he said about the defense after the scrimmage on Sunday. I know that you need to, uh, you know, consider that. And and this is still a group uh, that's a work in progress. You know, you, you know, you hope that this group is better. Uh, in October than it is uh, in Atlanta uh, in the opener against against Louisville. Uh, so uh, I think all that's going to come into place. They were intentional about improving this defense and improving it through recruiting. And they've done that, or shall I say, they have added a nice mix of high school kids, junior college kids, and Division One transfers. So that all of those are going to play a part. Um, he did not try to make this defense better with wholesale changes on his coaching staff. There was really a, only one on that side of the ball with uh, moving on from Deke Adams at defensive line coach and Randall Joyner uh, coming in. So uh, I think uh, there's going to be progress to come with the Ole Miss defense. Um, any injuries, man, anybody that uh, missing time significantly? I mean, I, I know that uh, uh, Lane's not going to talk about injuries much, but uh, – Lots of times this time of year, there's just a just a rash, just a bunch of them. Yeah, I, I think the way Lane has described it, and again, coaches are always going to play their cards a, a certain way, uh, but nothing that he would consider serious, which leaves a lot of room for uh, the spectrum, but I, I would imagine it sounds like everybody who – we are expecting to be out there is going to be out there come September 6th or yeah, September 6th. Um, yeah, not, not, nothing. Uh, not, not, I don't, I don't think anything too alarming. Uh, I heard Lane talk a little bit uh, last week about Taiwan Malone and I talked about him in a way that uh, he's got a lot of ground to cover. I don't know if that's conditioning or, or, uh, or what, but uh Maybe it sounds like he's not quite uh, uh, as advanced. Uh, maybe he's not uh, a guy that, that they're counting on a lot uh, in the season opener. What, what are you seeing there? Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's, it's one of those things where it, it is camp and you're moving a lot of guys around. And if someone isn't maybe ready – let's say in terms of conditioning and, and whatnot, uh, they're not going to just throw them out there. Uh, it's, you know, it's the first week they are going to do whatever they have to do to feel like they get guys ready. So I, I think come, you know, in three weeks from, or I guess in 20 days uh, from today, I, I mean, I, I don't know if he's going to play a huge part because they do actually have uh, some guys who, who can play 
there uh, now. It's not like it's they're just depending on him. Um, but I, I think it's one of those things where, you know, maybe, uh, you know, maybe he didn't show up in the way they would have liked and they're, they're going to make him work for it. And, but I would be surprised if he isn't seeing some sort of significant action in the next couple of weeks. Um, who is running first team on those interior spots there? Is that uh, Isaiah Icon and Jamon Gordon, the, both the Juco guys, are they kind of the first teamers or are you seeing some, some veterans in there like KD Hill, Quentin Bivens. I mean, what are those uh, interior DL spots looking like? So I've been seeing a lot of, 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 of the Juco guys. And, and I think that's probably a good thing. Uh, I, I think that they, like you said, they were looking to upgrade the talent. And I think that is one of the ways you do it is by bringing in guys who, who can, who can play right away. And they've been seeing a lot of run, um, Tisdale has been has been getting a lot of run. It's oh, I love D Lyman wearing uh, number twenty two. That's just one of my favorites. It's that in single digits. Um, yeah. and he's been getting a lot of run, and so you know, it's like we talked about. You talk about the ten starters returning, right? But what is that like? What does that really mean? It's not it, always it, good. Yeah, no, exactly. When you gave up close to 40, I don't know if that's necessarily the most reassuring thing in the world. And so, you know, you do have those guys, but uh, I've been seeing the Juco guys and and it's kind of like we talked about last week with the offensive linemen. Like you look on the field and you say that's an SEC offensive line. Like they look the part. These the, the, I'm not going to say that they're looking like the Alabama defensive line because no one's looking like the Alabama <laughs> defensive line, but they definitely look more like an SEC defensive line with with those guys in in the middle than you know, maybe they were a year ago. Interesting. I, I know that uh, they're eager for Taiwan uh, to come along, and, and and I'm sure he will. He'll get there, but he's that guy. You mentioned the Alabama defensive line. I mean, this dynasty with him kind of started. It's kind of transitioned now to the, you know, focus on the offense and the receivers and the quarterback and the reads and the, you know, all of those things. But uh, Nick Saban's uh, early teams in this dynasty, you know, they all had those defensive lines. They had those big guys that could move, those interior defensive linemen that could collapse the pocket from the middle you know, could get out and, and break up a screen, interrupt a screen pass, you know, could do those things. And I think that's the body type and that's the athleticism that Taiwan Malone has. So I know they're eager to get him uh, in shape and, and let him uh, contribute. Let's talk about that uh, offensive line a little bit. Is it still Orlando Umana, number one at center? And uh, do you think he makes a transition to where he's a dependable player, plays up-tempo, uh, because I, I think it's huge if he can do that and, and Ben Brown can remain at guard. Yeah, I think the plan is is, is for him to is is to be that guy up the middle. Uh, every, everything that everyone has said is that he's 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 dependable. He knows what he's doing. He's played a lot of football, obviously not, you know, in the SEC, but you play at Utah, you're probably pretty good. Yeah. Uh, I, I think there's just a a consistency and dependability that that he brings and not only that but plugging him in there allows everybody else to stay where they're supposed to be ben brown at guard and you know james at tackle and everything just kind of seems very natural when, when you just plug in one guy as opposed to to kind of everybody else uh, i i think they they've been pretty happy with, with what they've seen from him and um 
I, I would I would be surprised if, you know, assuming everybody's healthy come, you know, game week, game day. Uh, I, I would be surprised if, it, if it's any different than that, that, that group with Umana in the middle and, and everybody else kind of falling into place around them. You know, Michael, one guy, one name who I think uh, excites Ole Miss people, at least from what I can tell uh, in our Facebook group, almost as much as John Rice Plumley is Tyler Knight because people like to see little guys play hard and make plays. And uh, he was big for them at the end of last year, especially big uh, in the bowl game, little guy playing big. Uh, and I hear you mention his name a good bit as well. I mean, you would think uh, someone who was not physically big, uh, physically strong, might get uh, surpassed by all of the bodies that they've brought into the secondary, all of the new guys, the talent uh, upgrade there. But uh, he's holding his own, it sounds like. I mean, uh, you mentioned him as a guy who was on the field a lot uh, in that scrimmage. Yeah, and, and and he's been one of those guys who, uh, you know, during one-on-ones, which is you know the beginning portions of practice, uh, he's he's stood out, and you're kind of like, oh wow, he he looks like he doesn't look like he should be able to do what he does in terms of, of playing the ball and whatnot, and and you know with with bringing in all of these new bodies, if there's one thing this defense has, it is a lot of defensive backs. And there are a lot all over the board and it's going to be interesting to see how it ultimately plays out. Cause I don't think you can really play like 20 guys or whatever it is, but you know, they have a lot of guys they like clearly. Um, and, but to have a guy in there who just kind of keeps scrapping, uh, I, I think it's, I, I think he's a guy that the coaching staff really likes because he just, he plays bigger than he is and that's the cliche and, and all that stuff. But you know, it's like no matter who they bring in to to try to be better than him, he just keeps on finding a way to get on the field and make plays. And um, I don't know if anyone's ever going to surprise uh, surpass John Rice Plumley in the Facebook group, but I think you're right. He's he's pretty close. He he's definitely got a little bit of a, a cult hero following. And honestly, he's he's earned it. He plays tough. He plays tough. Hey, folks, that'll wrap us up for this edition of Justify Your Existence, where we bring you the relevant college football talk in Mississippi. For Parrish Alford and Michael Katz, thanks for being with us. Come back and join us later this week.